Hey, Justin here with Stay at Home Dads Podcast. Once again, the place I talk about a lot of dad stuff, as well as a you know little bit of guy stuff in there. So thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning in. So what has been uh, going on this past week? Any? No? No one? All right. Well, you're probably sick of me talking about my dancing classes with the wife, but yeah, unfortunately, I'm going to bring it up again. It's it's awesome. I'm having a really good time. It's uh, it's a really a really uh, fun experience. Never in my life did I think I would say that, but here I am saying that. We actually had a group class the other week, uh, a couple nights ago, and it was really fun. We swapped partners and danced with some other people. It's kind of awkward. I'll be a little bit honest, but it's, I don't know, makes you a better dancer, I guess. That's what they tell me. So, Actually, I talked to my buddy Andrew, and uh, he seems like he may be willing to try this. He's been kind of dead set against it for a while, but he's talking about maybe trying to do something like that with his wife. So, hey, it's not as bad as it sounds, I I promise. On another note, less uh, a less fun note, a little shittier note, I went to the DMV, or as they call it here in Indiana, the BMV, the Bureau of Motor Vehicles. Doesn't really roll off the tongue, sounds kind of stupid. Anyways, I went there to drop off my bi-yearly physical forms to keep current on my commercial driver's license. And I just kind of had like a a realization or a thought when I was sitting out there in line. I had Kennedy, my my four-year-old with me. We were hanging out, drew a number, and sat down. And I just was kind of thinking about stuff. Does the DMV make anybody else groan really bad? Like when you have to go there, almost like going to, I don't know, the IRS office or any government agency for that matter, they all, I don't know, they all suck in my opinion. They they are not fun to deal with. I mean, out in Vegas, if you had to go to the DMV office, you better earmark about four to five hours for dealing with all that shit. Like, no joke, totally serious. Like, I'm, I'm serious. There would be a line outside of 20 to maybe even 50 people waiting to get in the building before they even opened in the morning. It's just an awful experience. And you get in there, and once you wait in one line, then you get a number, and then you wait in another line. And then when you get to your window, they nitpick every little mistake you have on these papers. And they're not nice about it either. It's almost like they feel this sense of power over you. All these places, you know, we need these entities, these these government agencies to function in our daily lives, right? To register our cars or get our social security numbers or do our taxes or whatever. But I think they love having that little slice of power over people. And then most of these agencies, at least the ones I've dealt with, the people are so unhappy. Like I said, they just dread. It looks like they dread going to work. They probably hate their coworkers. They hate the clients, us, the people they're dealing with. Maybe their pay sucks. I don't, I don't really know. I actually went to the passport office with my buddy Andrew know, a couple months ago, and it's a nice building, real nice, tall. We go inside, get in the elevator, go up the 11th or the 12th floor, I don't recall. We get up there, and it's just like any other government agency. It's more lines and more waiting and more dealing with people that seem like they don't want to be there, the workers. But anyways, in this office, behind the workers, there is a big panel of windows, and you could look out from there from this 12th floor and see the beautiful view, the, the skyline and the city, and you could just see all this this nice view. And it looked really cool. 
And to kind of paint you a little word picture here real quick, the clerks, is that what they're called? The clerks? Anyways, they would face us, you know, on the one side. And then if they would immediately spin around and face the other way, they would be facing out these windows, right? Well, I told Andrew, as we're sitting in there waiting, that that nice view was done like that on purpose, I think. So the employees wouldn't kill themselves or freak out on somebody after they dealt with a, a terrible customer, right? So, so they deal with someone shitty at the kiosk or at the window, and they get all upset and their blood's boiling, but then they spin around, they turn around to do something, and then they see this amazing view, and they're just like, oh, and they calm down, and it's nice, and they get back into their zone so they can do their job. And uh, I don't know, I was just trying to make dumb jokes. I know suicide is not a joke. I understand. I've talked about it before, but I just don't know how some of those jobs can be enjoyable or what the motivation is to work there. And I guess that could be said for any job, really, but the DMV or the passport office? like So if you work there, if any of you work there, send me a, a message and let me know why. Please let me know why. Is, is it not as bad as we think? Are the benefits really good? Maybe you get great vacation or maybe the pay is good where you are. I mean, when I was outside my little DMV here in Indiana, they had a sign that said you could join their team for 15 bucks an hour. So, uh, I don't know. Dealing with people that don't have all their documents in order every day, all day. They filled out the pink form instead of the yellow form or some shit like that. Failing driver's tests. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if 15 bucks is enough to, to deal with uh, what they deal with. Maybe if they got paid a little more. They might be a little happier. And I'm not talking about all the all of them. I've dealt with a few, and they seem happy. Just saying, I don't know. It's got that image, right? Anyways, moving on from my experience and my terrible humor, my terrible uh, attempt at humor. In today's show, I just wanted to kind of talk about a few points that have been going on lately. Stuff in the news, just kind of crazy stuff that seemed worth talking about. I haven't really done... A trending topic show in a while, so I figured I would kind of go with that. First thing is the old Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. What in the actual F is going on with these two? The past few weeks have been, uh, I've been seeing a lot of snippets um, from this defamation case, stuff on social media. It's being held in Virginia, I guess. Good old Virginia. Anyways, I've been seeing little snippets of that going around, so let's, uh, get the backstory on these two former lovebirds a little bit. So these two met back in 09 on a movie they were both in called The Rum Diary. I've never heard of it. I guess it wasn't great. Didn't uh, receive any accolades really, but hey, it brought these two lovebirds together, right? So actually by now they're probably wishing they had not taken that role and then none of this would have ever happened, right? And that's a whole other aspect I kind of find fascinating with anybody really is choices that we all make, even the smallest little choice, lead us to where we are today. I mean, my wife and I met in a bar when I was out hopping around, bar hopping with a buddy of mine. And had we not gone to that particular bar at that particular time, none of this may have ever happened. Never, may have never met her, and I wouldn't be where I am today, sitting in my house talking to you. So had Amber or Johnny not taken that role, maybe none of this would even be here. So, I don't know, just an interesting concept to me. 
Anyways, they met on that movie in 09, and then I think they started their relationship in like 12, but didn't really take it public until 14. And then they got married in 2015, and soon after that, rolled in the problems. Fights, cheating accusations, legal trouble with their dog. I don't know if you remember that, when they took their dog to Australia, and they didn't uh, quarantine their animal or something like that. And then shocker, divorce filing, you know, mid-2016, somewhere in there. And that's when some of these allegations started. Amber Heard filed a restraining order on, on him soon after filing for divorce in 2016, where she claimed abuse, but then she later retracted all her allegations for reasons we may never know. Anyways, they actually finally went through the divorce in the fall of 2016. And now this new drama kind of comes in from this op-ed from Amber Heard about domestic violence. By the way, op-ed, I guess I didn't really look into or never knew what it meant. I just figured it was opinion. But it actually means opposite the editorial page, which is an opinion piece written by a subject matter expert or someone with a unique perspective on an issue. In this case, Amber Heard on domestic violence, I guess. And the title of it was, I spoke up against sexual violence and faced our culture's wrath. That has to change. I don't know, a little wordy to me, but I'm no professional. Now, she doesn't mention Johnny by name, but she references death threats, career issues, and a few other things in this piece. She also dated Elon Musk in there since she dated Depp, so technically we don't know who she's talking about, but we can all kind of assume, right? So after that comes out, old Johnny files his defamation suit against Amber for a sweet $50 million, saying that the op-ed was false and that she was actually the aggressor in the relationship, that he never hit anybody, and it damaged his career, according to him. And Depp's team also said they have witness accounts and photos and other evidence indicating that Amber's claims are fake. Anyways, lots of stuff, lots of motions, opinions, a leaked therapy session, the audio of it anyways, and now here we are, witnessing this all play out on TV. Get your popcorn. So what's all this mean? Well, I really have no fucking clue. From what I've seen of the trial and what I've read, it's just kind of a lot of he said, she said with a few testimonies in there, but who do you believe? I don't know. Sure, there's some stuff. There's some evidence against Depp. I just read through a bunch of testimony and yeah, it sounds kind of rough. Makeup artist testified uh, saying she covered up Amber's face, bruises, and a, and a bloody lip and stuff like that before going on to a talk show. A lot of arguing, you know, between the two. Amber's sister testified saying that Depp hit her in the back or something and then went after Amber. So yeah, it kind of sounds like Johnny's an asshole, especially when he drinks. But then you have Amber's side of it, <clears throat> or Johnny's side of it rather, the infamous concealer that was supposedly used to cover up her bruises, but according to the makeup company, it wasn't out yet. And then, not to mention the, the dump in the bed, you know, that's a little weird. And then there's audio of her admitting to hitting Johnny, and then taunting him, telling him that he should go tell people he's a victim and no one's going to believe him, you know, and other things in there too. So, it's kind of a, I don't know, a tough thing. Just the, the portrayal of each of them, a lot of her anyways, is just kind of wrong, I think. You see it a lot more with her. You know, getting booed, the memes, the jokes, and all that. It just seems, I don't know, it just seems really crazy. She seems like she may have some issues, sure. And the way she recounts stuff is terrible. 
And, you know, I mean, you can, you can think some of them are lies or, or whatever she's saying. I don't know. I don't, I don't know all the ins and outs of the case. But none of us really know what went on, do we? Really? It's just interesting how he is treated like a hero and she's treated like a villain, which may be the case. Maybe 100% the case. I have no idea. I'm not here to shit on Johnny. <laughs> I'm not here to shit on Amber. I'm just uh, kind of reading through all this stuff and trying to understand it. And we don't see a lot of guys come forward about abuse like this. You know, if, uh, if he was an abuser, would he really be filing a lawsuit and then openly talking about all this stuff, tearing it all open? Wouldn't he just kind of let it dissipate and move on if he was really guilty of doing stuff? I don't know. I just don't think it bodes well with other cases of spousal abuse. You know, what if these two weren't celebrities? How would this be being portrayed? You know, I don't, I don't know. Just uh, just some thoughts, I guess. It's all really just kind of sad. You know, this is a textbook case of a, a toxic relationship, I think, 100%. They're probably great together when they're sober, and when things are great, they're great, right? But then you add in drugs and booze and, I don't know, people change. Yelling, smashing shit, insults. You know, I've, I've seen it firsthand with, with a couple friends of mine. I've, I've 100% seen it. Things being thrown and things being said. And, yeah, great people, but you add the booze and things just kind of go sideways. So how do we not end up like that? Well, I don't know. Step one, don't do coke. And don't do coke and shit in your spouse's bed, I guess, right? And maybe don't call your spouse a pussy and a victim and shame them in in other ways, right? Those would be pretty easy things to implement, right? But really, my opinion, I don't know, relationships shouldn't be hard. I know people always say that relationships are hard and they take work, and part of me kind of thinks that's BS. Um, I think the core of a relationship should be easy. I think being together should be easy. Sure, there are external things that make aspects of that difficult. Bills and kids and jobs and, and sure, certain opinions and things. But I think the basis of it should be pretty simple and not work, as they say. Does that kind of make sense? And I think it comes down to some basic principles, you know, communication and trust and things like that. And I've, I've come to the realization that it's difficult for people to talk to their spouses. I mean, including myself including you probably, just think about it, about tough topics or things that you're not happy with. It's kind of hard to, to bring up sometimes, it really is. But when things bother you, you, you kind of have to do that. When, when you have questions or if someone said something that upset you, you've got to get that out. You've got to get that off your chest. Otherwise, that stuff just festers and then it changes your mood and it changes your demeanor within your whole relationship and family. And then it has the potential to blow up at the wrong time. And I know I've talked about this before, but I figure it's kind of worth saying again. Also, trust. There has to be a level of trust there. And I don't know if these two didn't trust each other, but, you know, there were cheating allegations and other things going on and drug use going on. But that ability to trust each other and do things apart and not have to think that the other person is doing something you don't approve of when they're not around you kind of creates a problem. Anyways, lastly, if you hang out or you go out and you always feel the need when you're hanging out with your boyfriend or girlfriend or spouse or whatever, and you always have that need to get drunk or just totally annihilated or whatever just to function and hang out or that's always your good time is getting drunk, there might be an issue there. I'm just saying, okay? Something you're covering up with booze, right? 
All right, I don't know anything else going on there, but uh, I'm going to move on. If you have any comments on that, just let me know. You know where to send them. I just wanted to touch on this whole baby formula thing real quick and what's kind of going on here. Factories shut down for bacteria. It's kind of scary. Supply chain issues from COVID still, really? I'm, I don't know. I guess that all that stuff has quite the domino effect. But yeah, it's a it's a really stressful time to be a parent right now of an infant and trying to figure out how to feed them. So according to this Guardian article I found, which, by the way, I've said it before, I don't have any affiliation with these. I just I just Google stuff and I read and share it. So no affiliation with any of these papers or articles or anything. But anyways, they said that, yes, the supply chain is still a problem and the Abbott factory going down really hit the market really hard. Abbott makes almost half of the formula in the United States, so... That's a, that's a big chunk of that, especially when you shut down a big factory, it, it has an effect. And also, the U.S. hardly imports any formula. I think only 2% of baby formula is even imported. And then it went on to say that 43% of formula was out of stock in the country. So it's kind of crazy. Now, I don't really have a dog in this fight. I First off, I'm a dude. I don't breastfeed myself. Uh, second, our kids are older. They're, you know, they're four and seven. They're completely out of the stage. So I don't really have firsthand experience, at least at this moment. So I just, I don't know. I just couldn't imagine not having what you need to feed your baby. It's just kind of crazy. My wife actually had a tough time breastfeeding. I remember going to lactation consultants and appointments and frustrations and pumping, not pumping enough, emotions overflowing. It was, it was a hard time. It was really hard for her, but she did her best. She stuck with it. She ended up pumping literally all the time and then supplemented with a special formula that she bought and imported actually herself. She bought it from Europe or something like that. She even pumped when we took an adult-only vacation to Hawaii. That's how dedicated she was to this whole thing. She pumped it, she froze it, and then she actually put it in a cooler and brought it home with us. So yeah, she's she was pretty badass in that department. And I probably really should have had her sitting here with me today for this whole episode on this female specific topic, but I'm an idiot and I didn't do that. So, but anyways, what can people kind of do? Well, I would think that breastfeeding would be the best answer. And I know, I know any female that is listening to me say that, is probably screaming at me right now telling me that I'm a jackass and it's not that easy and I'm an idiot. And yes, I know. Of course, not firsthand, I know, but I witnessed everything my wife went through. I witnessed every bit of it. It's hard. It sucks. It's it's painful. She had a really tough time and it doesn't work out as easy as people think it would. You know, I mean, just even as easy as me saying, oh, just go breastfeed. It's not that easy. It's not that simple. But looking at this study on the CDC's website from 2019 to 2020, it shows that only 25% of women breastfed exclusively at six months. And then it showed 56 breastfed at six months, but not exclusively. And then it still showed only 35% were breastfed at a year mark, which is actually when my wife stopped doing it or she stopped pumping and doing all that anyways. And I know that A lot of women, some women, they can't breastfeed or things don't happen the way nature intended it to, but I don't think that would account for 44 to 65%, does it? I don't know. Maybe I'm being ignorant here. 
And I'm not blaming women at all. I'm not. Our society is kind of tough in that aspect because, you know, we lack maternity leave. How are you supposed to consistently breastfeed or pump or whatever when you have to be back to work in, in three months or six months or six weeks? Or maybe you don't get any maternity leave. I don't I don't know what your personal case is, but that does make it really tough. I mean, if you miss, just like my, I was talking to my wife about this, if you miss one or two um, of your scheduled sessions, I guess, that it can really make your supply dip down and make it that much harder to get anything going. So, And I think I read somewhere that places like Norway, the breastfeeding rate is actually quite a bit higher than here because they have a much better, they have much more flexibility in maternity leave. They have up to a year at 80% pay, so that's really good for them, you know. It would be nice if they did that here. I don't know if they do or not, but. Also, lactation consultants. I don't know if any of you guys that are listening sat in on any of those or dealt with any of that. That's a crazy thing. It's crazy expensive, for one, and I don't know. I guess they kind of teach you how to do that. And I mean, you get a kind of a crash course when you're in the hospital for a couple days, but then all of a sudden your your wife is plopped at home trying to take care of this new human and feed them. And sometimes you're doing it right. Sometimes you're doing it wrong. And it's just a, it's a, it's a tough thing to really figure out on the fly like that. You don't have someone there showing you and telling you kind of how to do that. And I think there are some assistance programs that provide coverage for consultants, as well as if you have insurance, it's pretty likely, I just read, that your insurance should cover it. So that may be worth looking into if you fall into that category. Also, hopefully with the President's Act to get more formula produced right now, I know he did that Production Act thing here just recently. And then the FDA also is trying to allow more formulas to be imported from other countries. So hopefully that'll kind of get everybody by and kind of bridge that gap until that Abbott factory is back up. And even when that comes back up, I think it's still going to take a couple months for them to physically produce something, right? So hopefully uh, these other measures, maybe too little too late. I don't know. That's what they were talking about in the news. Maybe they came a little too late with this production act and, and everything else on getting more formula out there. So hopefully, you know, that comes around and uh, works out for everybody. All right, anyways, I hope I didn't piss any of you off by talking about something I'm not really uh, well-versed in and you stopped listening, but if you're still there, thank you. I actually had a few more stories that I wanted to get into, but I don't really have time for that today. They'll have to wait for another day. Anyways, I just want to thank you for listening to my ramblings here today on Stay at Home Dad's podcast. Just, uh, Just a few things, a few thoughts I had, interesting things to talk about. If you have any thoughts or ideas... On what I talked about today, please, please uh, let me hear them. Drop a message on my social media or at podbean.com and let me know what you think. Let me know what your struggle is, what's going on, if anything. Um, I'd love to hear it. Also, all the articles I mentioned today will be linked in the description as well, so you can kind of check them out. Hopefully, I gave you guys a few tips on a few things, probably nothing that you didn't already know. I'm gonna poke around a little bit and see if I can find, you know, some more stuff on the formula. Maybe I can link uh, a formula finder or something like that down there if you guys are on the hunt for a specific formula. Maybe that would help you locate it. Anyways, I'll try to find that and I'll link it and uh, that's it. 
Lastly, let your friends, let your family, hell, even let strangers know that they can grab this podcast on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, Google Podcast, as well as Spotify. And uh, as long as I don't get any hate mail, I'll talk to you next week. See you later.